Well, the big hairy monster that we're going to talk about that, um, that hides behind the curtain sometimes is prejudice um, and a lot of other names that we can, we can tag on to it, but it's simply prejudice is what it is. And uh, everybody in the room deals with it, uh, whether we perpetuate it and drive it or whether we're the, on the receiving end of it. Every one of us deal with it. And so we're just going to deal with it out in the open, all right? Um, but first, we need a definition of what prejudice is. Here's what, here's what Merriam-Webster Dictionary says prejudice is. Preconceived judgment or opinion, an adverse opinion or leaning formed without just grounds or before sufficient knowledge, an irrational attitude of hostility directed against an individual a group, a race, or their supposed characteristics. And then simply this, bias, partiality, or favoritism. Um, so we're just going to dig in to this stuff tonight. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the moderator, I think, if I can shut up and sit down and let these guys talk. Um, but just want to share this scripture with you. This is straight out of the New Testament, right out from under grace, Right after the, the, the New Testament church started. This is Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 28, New Living Translation. He is God. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since He is Lord of heaven and earth, He doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve His needs. He Himself gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need from one man, and other translations say from one blood, and I love that even more. From one blood, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. And nations doesn't mean land with borders. It means people, right? He created all mankind from one person. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. In him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. New King James says, He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. So here's what we're going to jump into. We've got some real-life personal examples of this big hairy monster that we're all afraid to talk about in the open, that we're going to talk about tonight uh, in love. But we're going to talk about it. We're not going to hide, okay? So here we go. Go ahead, Mac. Now, Mac is scared to talk sometimes, so you all just have to bear with him. <laughs> all right. <laughs> My name is Mac Polk, and... Um, School board member here at Broken Bow, and uh, business owner here for about 22 years now, and we uh, we don't use the word racism. None of my kids use it, and we just use ignorance is what we use, and we deal with it quite a bit, and we dealt with it quite a bit more over the last two and a half years. Our business, you know, gets attacked. You know, people walk in, 
and they see someone that don't look like them, and they, I mean, judgment already. And we're pretty upstanding you know, throughout the community because most of the guys that are down there, they come to us to learn the ways of how to do things down there first before, you know, anyone else do anything. You know, all right, so guy walks in one day. They were going to rent some boats, and uh, well, his wife come in first. They rented the kayaks. And uh, so he walks in after he went to change and went to use the restroom, whatever he was going to do. And so when he walked in, he see my son, see my son, not my daughter, then he see me. His eyes get big as round as grapefruits. And uh, which I knew already what was coming. And uh, and uh, he said, asked his wife, what was she doing? He said, well, we're getting ready to go floating. He said, uh, okay. He said, uh, said, leave your keys here with them. They'll, they'll keep the keys. Keep hey, Mac. Keys. Can I interject right quick? Yeah. Because when you told me this before, yeah. you could hear them outside laughing and having oh, yeah. fun, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. very yes. jovial cut, cut, cut and all that up. kind yeah. of stuff, and then cut. they walked in. And walked in, and then whenever they walked in, you know, it was just, okay, uh, I guess just almost just turned a whole lot more pale than what they were and everything. So <laughs> so, so as we, uh, as we w- went on and uh, they proceeded to check in, Got them um, checked in, and we're ready to go do the trip. The guy wants to know what he's going to do with his keys. So we said, we keep keys. Keep locksmiths from having to come down here. He said, I'm not leaving my keys in here. I said, okay, your wish. And um, and his wife said, just leave the keys. They argued back and forth for, for a little bit. And um, I can't. I think her name's Shirley, or either Susan one, which they've been floating with us forever in a day. And um, she drove, well, the group that come with them, they come every year. And they drove uh, two brand new black Escalades and a brand new Tahoe. She comes in with a five thousand dollar Louis Vuitton purse with all her keys and junk and just drops it on the couch. Here's my stuff, Mac. Please watch it for me. Don't let anything happen. And the guy's eyes get bigger than what they were. And uh, <laughs> he said, "Okay, I guess I'll leave my keys." Okay, no back and forth right there. Okay, and uh, <laughs> as we walk out. And he, she had to run over to go to the car to get something out of the car. And he seen what she was driving. He, in, the, in a way, he said, well, why worry about my little old uh, Chevy station wagon when she's driving a, a brand new Escalade sitting over here? And, things, and that's what we are. We have been that way with people. We have always maintained it. We made sure that nothing happened to people. We've always been there. We've done more and gave more than we received down there, which we don't want no pity party. We just do the same thing every single day, 365 days out of the year. And with us, you know, like with all the negative that you hear on television, we can't control that. But we all can control the negative in us and make it come out to be positive as we go on. Because we can't, uh, the media, I mean, every morning you can get up, you can hear something different. I'm one of those, I can hear it, I can laugh about it and keep on going. Because there's some people that hear it and then they have to go down to the coffee shop and see how many they can get together to discuss what we're going to do about this, and then they just start disliking everyone. Makes no difference what color you are, because there's just as much hate on both sides of the spectrum, yeah. and it is is in one group. Yeah. And and um, and how um, with that, you know, I had another story, and this one here, and you, a lot of you guys will know this young man, and it bothered me, and sometimes I still think about it. And we had a, a drifter come through one day this summer. He walks up, and I can tell that, you know, wasn't judging him. He was, you know, one of those weather guys that's been out hitchhiking forever in a day. 
So he walks in, fix him up cool water, gave him sandwiches to eat and things like that. And uh, so he said, I just want a place to go and swim. I said, yep, you're more than welcome to go down the ramp and swim if you want to. I said, we don't have any boats coming in right now. So he goes down there, and Quentin Owens, kid that we took in, he works for us and things like that. He was down there with him, talking to him. And I didn't know until after the guy left that all this had happened. And out of all the help that he gave him a tube to float on and play on, and and we had tiles up there in the office that we let him use to dry off, and then he took off. And uh, Quentin came up there and he told me, he said, hey, he said, was that guy, something wrong with that guy? I said, why, what do you mean? I said, he said, he proceeded to tell me that I would be nothing like him. He said, he proceeded to tell me that uh, we will not overcome what was put on us. And more or less, you know, used the racial slur about four or five times at him down on the ramp. And Quinn said, I just smiled at him because of the things that we teach him to do. He smiled in the face of it and just, hey, say, hey, I'll pray for you. And that's all you can do. And, uh, and as he came up and I said, well, I wish I would have known that. I said, I wouldn't have choked him or slapped him or anything, but I just told him, I said, hey, I said, we were, we were this and we were that to you. I said, why would you? It was just, oh, I guess like yanking the rug off another year or something like that because you never thought that it would turn out to be that way. Right. And um, well, I asked Quentin, I said, Quentin, I said, well, what did you think about it? He said, hey, he said, he was right. He said, I'm not going to be anything like him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. He said, I said, because we always yeah. preach to them, take the high road. Yeah. Yeah. And something for me that we always use, my wife and I, and, uh, well, I don't most of the time when I'm in the car and stuff like that. In conversation, uh, you have some people that you can trust with your words and some that you can't. I can always trust my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because that walk that I'm walking, I'll tell you and I'll tell you and I'll tell anyone else, if you want to hear the truth from me about something, you better want to hear the truth. Because you come ask me, I'm going to tell you the truth. You may not like me as you turn around and walk away, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. And that's yeah. the only way I can handle things like that, because I don't want to lie to you and say, you know, it's just, it's just not my style. And there's lots of you guys that know me in here and lots of you that don't and things like that, but get a chance to know me. Don't hate me because you're not me or you don't look like me because I, I, I can't see color out here. I really I can't because I don't have my glasses on. I left my glasses at home. <laughs> So uh, I I just want to I just want to bring something out too that um, so Mac here's Mac obviously his skin is very dark right he's married to this beautiful young lady over here very young lady Miss Lois and uh, way younger than he is um, but Lois is native she's Choctaw. So they live this crossing cultures every day, 24-7, have children that, that deal with stuff every day. Um, it, this is not, the reason I say that, this is not something that's foreign. This is, this is our community. This is us. This is who we are, right? We just want to acknowledge it. We want to bring it out in the open, and especially if it's ugly, when you bring ugly out in the open and expose it, you weaken it. Now it doesn't have the power that it used to have over you. Now you gain power over it. That's why we're doing this uh, tonight and the next few weeks. But just wanted to share that. We've got somebody here with, with firsthand cross-cultural uh, living every single day. And then, then there's Jeremiah and, 
and he does that as well. He's, his wife is as white as I am, but they've got brown children, native children. So, Yeah, and just to let you guys know that we, uh, it, it, it happens so much to where it just, it's not numbing. It's just that, you know, if you keep your eye on the prize, and that's the man above, then nothing can hurt you. You know, because it, and that's that's the deal. That's and the little one sitting between my wife there. That's my niece, and and no, she's my baby. You know, and uh, when she was little bitty, you know, she followed me everywhere we went and things like that. There'd be days where I would take off and go to Walmart, and and she was white as the driven snow then. <laughs> and they see me pushing a baby around me, in a buggy. Now you guys feeling the rest and. Uh, as soon as we walk out of Walmart, there's all kinds of faces pressed against the window looking to see which way this guy is going with that baby and things like that. But it's just that, like I said, the season that we're in right now is worse than the season that we were in when I was growing up as a young man. Because they feel that, you no, know, this will win us elections, this will keep us in power and things like that, but it's not doing anything but, but ruining what we have here. And, uh, you know, like with me, you know, with the ship, the church is going to have to be the ship, yeah. and we got to put it right in the ship, and we got to get them there, you know. And uh, yeah. and if we don't do it, then who's going to do it? Right. right. Yeah, and we're not going to be intimidated anymore. We're go- we're going to bring it out in the light and watch what God does. And we're going to uh, our challenge to each other from here on out. We're going to be very intentional about being part of the solution in our community because this is where we live. This is us. So. I lived in Chicago um, on the southwest side in what many people would consider uh, the ghetto. And my wife and I lived there intentionally um, because it felt like God had led us to some connections in there. And we just just wanted to serve, wanted to be there. Um, Somebody's got to show Jesus everywhere, right? It it doesn't matter where it is. And that particular community is largely uh, Hispanic. It's called uh, La Villita or Little Village. Um, and a couple things I'd like to share about that. Uh, one is, I just want you guys to understand that uh, this stuff is this is real, right? This stuff really happens. And one of the things that's very interesting about living down there is uh, there's a lot of a lot of gang activity, um, very very potent, very very strong. Um, and so my wife and I lived in that community, and and there was this interesting effect of us being white there, and that was that. Uh, Right, well, they, they don't see that, right? They don't see it on me. They don't see the creek part, right? If you were to classify, if I were a dog, I'd be a mutt, right? I don't, <laughs> I, I don't you can't cut me one way very well. Um, yeah, um, so living in that community, like, we didn't have to worry about anything happening to us. Even though in the summer, there would, there would be murders almost every weekend. Um, we didn't have to worry. You know Why? It's because if something happened to us, the media would descend on that community like a plague because we were white in that community. And they didn't want the attention. They didn't want that. So we were, there was a safety net for us that was only for us. Um, now, something else that I want to point out that I, I think just to kind of stretch our thinking a little bit here, and that's that uh, we often consider racism as something that happens between white people and black people, especially from the white to the black side. 
But what we need to we need to broaden our thinking a little bit on that because racism happens everywhere. Prejudice, which is the broader category, happens in all kinds of ways, right? Um, in that same community, just north of us, there was a, a predominantly African American community, um, and you would not realize or. Most people don't understand how strong some of the tensions and the racism can be, be between Hispanic and black people. Brown people and black people, they can get pretty rough. Um, I, it surprised me, actually. I did some studies on it and trying to figure out what's going on here. Because like, as a white person or a person that's grown up in white culture, I, I never had to look at any other kind of racism. I never even heard about it. Um, and you begin to dig into this, and you find out some very interesting historical things. Like, uh, we talk about slavery in the United States of America, um, but who predominantly settled the New World? Um, it was actually the Spanish. And so the vast majority of the African slaves that were brought over to um, the American continents were under Spanish rule. And you can still see the effects of that if you go to Mexico. And uh, um, I'm open to being corrected, but when I lived there... The push was always, it's a funny thing, all of the ladies wanted to have lighter colored skin. They were always pushing for lighter colored skin. Up here, everyone's trying to get tan. And down there, the ladies are trying to get lighter colored skin. And my understanding of that um, was because the higher class in Mexico, which are the people descended from the Spanish, generally speaking, had lighter skin. And so there's kind of this cultural movement in that direction. Right, and they had a tendency to look down on people who would have been slaves in in um in those kinds of places, and we don't think about that. You also don't think about you go to Korea. We go to Korea and Japan. Just another random example out there because I know some Koreans and I've talked to them about this. Um, we think of them all as Asians. Okay, you know it's kind of broad. You don't realize how much racism is over there. The Koreans do not like the Japanese as a general rule. Like, huh? Why? They're all Asian. Aren't they all smart? Okay, come on, guys. That's, <laughs> right? Stere right? Stereotyping. There's some history there, y'all. Japan invaded Korea. Japan invaded Korea. That, that leaves some bad feelings when you invade someone else's country. You know, it kind of hurts a little bit. And you don't like it. You don't appreciate it. You tend not to trust. Right? And so I just want to open that up a little bit because there's racism is something that happens all over, from every color to every color in every situation. Right, and not just an American thing, and not just a PC thing, right? This is a global problem. This is something that happens everywhere. We tend to judge people by what we assume about them. So just um, from, from what we've heard, I mean, we've got examples. But we can even go back into the Bible days. This, this is not just something that stemmed from the 1960s or the 1860s or the 1600s or on and on and on. I mean, we can look back in the Bible days. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that Jonah, when God spoke to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go to this town called Nineveh and, pre and tell them they need to repent or I'm fixing to fry them. The history... The, one of the reasons, probably one of the reasons that Jonah went like 180 the other way, he was go, fixing to go thousands of miles if he could. 
away from Nineveh. Nineveh was, Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Historically, the Assyrians were very, very cruel people. Just ruthless. If you read any, you can just Google it. Just Google the Assyrians. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of historians say they were the worst, most ruthless people and army ever in history. The Assyrian people. Well, the Assyrian people they would fillet people alive. They would just like ISIS today, and, and even worse. You can read it's just gruesome. A lot of the things that they did, hang people people's bodies stick them on sticks and hang them around just to show the how how evil they were they weren't even a big community at first but they were so ruthless that they intimidated everybody because of fear so when god spoke to jonah and said i want you to go to the capital city of these people who have slaughtered your people the hebrews jonah's first reaction was no i am not going then he gets in the big fish, it spits him out. He, he gets there, tells him to repent. And you know what he does then? He's mad because God's, God's going to re relent from his anger. He still goes up on the side of the hill, and it says he sat there because he wanted to watch and see what happened. He was wanting to, wanting to see God just fry these people. That, that's, that's racism. That's prejudice. It's because of what... Um, the Assyrians, not, not the current day Assyrians did to him, but their ancestors had done to his ancestors. And there were, it was deep, deep, deep prejudice and racism. So uh, one of the reasons we're, we're acknowledging this to say that it's real is because once we dig into the solution, we're, we're now we're found in Christ and we don't get this right anymore, to be prejudiced, to regard each other after the flesh, because from now on we don't do that, right, in Christ. We don't want to dismiss that it's real. We don't want to backhand anybody in our culture because in our community right here, we have Native people, we have Hispanic people, we have Marshallese people, we have African American people, we have whatever white is, you know, European descent, I guess, white people, we're we're a diverse community and we want to look we want to look in our church because we're speaking to victory life church right now we want to look and hear what our community like what our community looks like okay so racism they never really directly uses the word racism in the bible you can't find it in there the word that the bible generally uses, there's two of them, and it'd be prejudice or favoritism. Prejudice or favoritism. Partiality. Yes. Not, yes. Partiality. Thank you. Um, now, here's the thing with that. That's not just skin color. It could be language. Could be your accent. Could be the way that you dress. It could be the town that you come from. It could be your last name. Right? Um, it could be uh, how wealthy the family that you were born into was, right? It could be how much money you get paid, right? It could be the kind of car that you drive. It could be uh, the sports team that you're going for, <laughs> right? There's some prejudice, y'all. Y'all ever seen some sports fans go, go all crazy against someone on a different team? 
if there is genuineness in that, I want you guys to hear this. If there's genuineness in that, that's evil, okay? Now, all of that, any kind of partiality against someone for something that God does not judge them for or does God does not um, hold against them is wrong, okay? It is wrong. Um, and we want to... We, we want to grasp that picture a little bit better because it, that, that is so important to understand. You look at the book of James. Uh, one of the things he rips into them for is because they're showing partiality to rich people, right? Rich people walks in, they give them the best seat. They give them the best food. And James cuts into him. He says, uh-uh, uh-uh. This is not how Jesus works, right? This is not what the gospel looks like. We don't treat people one way or treat people another way based on how we perceive them. In Christ, we are to change the way that we view people so we view them how God does, right? We got we to cut the stories that we tell ourselves about people and start telling ourselves the stories that God wants us to say over them, right? Because we... Man, he's got things for every human being that's ever walked the planet. He's got good works, good plans, hopes, dreams laid out for them. And it doesn't matter where they come from. It's irrelevant. Yeah. Go for it. So we've given, we've given some examples. We've given some modern-day examples. We've given some personal examples. Uh, I don't, if you come to, if you, if you start getting to know Mac and Lois and their family, they're just good people. They're, they're not perfect people. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that about him. He's really <laughs> not that good, but no, I'm kidding. He's, they're just good people. They're just good people. And so when I hear these stories, man, something in me, there's a little bit of anger, but there's hurt there. There, it's like, man. We got a teenage boy that has come out of some rough stuff. That's that's thank God that that he's come into a good home, teaching him and training him, having to deal with that level of ignorance and that level of just meanness. It it bothers me, but I don't want it to just bother me. I don't want it to just get into my emotions. I want it to provoke me to love and good works. I want to do something about it and not just call them a name back. You know what I'm saying? I, I, that's not helping. That's not going to help. But what I want to do is generally, I want to know, I, I want to I keep in mind, all of, every bit of this comes from somewhere. Hate comes from somewhere. Nobody's born a jerk. Nobody's born prejudice. It's taught. It's learned. And sometimes it's learned through hurt. And we have to acknowledge those things. It comes from, when, when we see it or hear it, when it's shown to us, when it's demonstrated, it comes out in words and it comes out in behavior. Okay? And this is where we're, we're landing, we're going to be landing the plane here in a little bit. But the, I'm trying to set us up a little bit for next week. This is coming from somewhere. And we've got to be wise as serpents in the church and harmless as doves. It's okay to think. I love Pastor Dwayne. God didn't remove our minds when he saved us. 
thank God. So we, we just need to think about this and go, you know what? That's coming from somewhere. Hurting people hurt people. And, and like uh, Jeremiah's saying, we got to look past the superficial stuff. We're the church, man. It's our responsibility. This is our community. This is my family. I got a brown stepdad. I got a Native American stepdad. I got, well, they're deceased now, but I had, I grew up with Native American grandparents. I grew up in the Native American culture every weekend. Very familiar with the Native American culture. And not only have I seen the Native American people uh, have to walk through this mess, but I got some stories too. I, I grew up in Native America in, in, Singings every weekend, going to my grandparents every weekend. So my my grandma was just a phenomenal woman. Uh, my mom wouldn't let me watch wrestling on Saturday mornings, but grandma would. So I would just walk up to grandma's house and sit there and watch wrestling with grandma, and she'd just laugh and cut up with me. And I was kind of her toy. I think she she played with me. And you know, five years old, you don't you don't you're innocent. You don't see any of that mess. I grew up playing with Native American kids, getting to know these kids and playing music with all of these adults and stuff like that. Once I got to be an adult and and came back to, to this area, started working at the funeral home, and this is not slamming anybody. I'm not calling anybody's names, but I was working funeral. We did a lot of Choctaw Nation funerals. I'm working funerals, and I'm seeing these familiar faces, and I'm you know, this is a funeral. I want to, man, I love you. I'm, I'm praying for you. I want to encourage you and stuff. And, and people walking by me, not even looking me in the eye, not, won't put their hand out to shake my hand. Right? I could go, man, they're just rude. They're just showing me hate. Or I could look a little deeper and go, there's something behind this. It's not that not only that they're just upset at the white guy, okay? I know that's a little heavy. It could be that there's something behind that. And if I'll go ahead and reach out my hand and touch them and, and engage them in the ones that I did, hey, I remember you. Do you remember me? My stepdad's Johnny Caldwell and, and my mom and, and the totally different expression on their face totally different demeanor, totally different attitude toward me. Yeah, I used to play bass. My brother played drum. Oh, Lynn, yeah. Hey, cuz. Yeah, your, your stepdad's my cousin. and Right? So that, like, like we've been saying, this is not just a white on black thing or black on white thing or anything. It's a heart thing. So that's where we want to drill down um, just a little bit and, and set up next week is that this stuff comes from somewhere, and we're going to be wise about it. We're, we're not going to be ignorant of it. We're not, we're not going to be ignorant of the devil's devices. But in the church, we're going to start leading in this stuff. And, and this, like I said, this is our community, and our community is diverse, and this is us. We're all shades, right? We're all shades. Another quick story that... I have here is that um, I have a friend of mine that the guy that I partnered up with in the kayak rentals and 
He's part of English, and you know, over around Britain, they don't too much care for anything except for themselves. They're stuck on themselves. And um, he's have friends in Georgia that you know, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, and uh, we would joke, and and I, we would sit down and talk, and he would try to push things over on me. I said, no, it don't work like that. And he would sometimes get upset because he felt that his way was the only way. But we all have to have a God out. If it don't end with God, then it don't end with nothing. And when he realized that, you know, he told me once he moved back to Arkansas, he said, you taught me more than what my dad ever did about dealing with people of color. And... uh, I said, no, I taught you that to keep from poking your eyes out. Because <laughs> she was starting to get on my on my nerves, but we're just like brothers. And I can and I can call him right now and he, and he'll be down there in a minute. And and he would always go to Georgia to visit his friends. Now, he has genuine friends also. And I still have the t-shirt hanging up in the closet, right? And I have a knife and it has Ku Klux Klan on there. And he brought me a gift back from Georgia. His friends said, hey, take, if he's that good, but take this to him. I still have the pocket. If I bring it to you guys, so you guys can see it. And it was only just as big as day, and it has a T-shirt. And I wore it one time, and I got some of the god off his looks. It had 100% cotton picked by your mama. And uh, he didn't dare me to wear it. And my grandmother always told me, someone give you a gift, you take it. And so I took it, and I wore it, and, uh, and, I, and this is when we had Piggly Wigglies here. And uh, I walked in there with that T-shirt on, and, and the white lady that was uh, at the cash register, she said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I said, what is a shirt? And it was a gift and things like that. And uh, guys, on a more serious note, when I was uh, in the hospital, and uh, after my son had his wreck, the, I mean, it's just over, I got overcome with, you know, just emotion like anyone else would. And... And Brendan, he apologized to me. He said, Daddy, I said, no. I said, no, I was there with you and so I can get down here to where good doctors and they seen what was wrong with me. And so Little Rock, I didn't know Little Rock was predominantly black, you know. And uh, at the hospital I was at, all my nurses and everything, they were the African-American girls and stuff like that. So the day that... Pastor Jimmy and Lynn come down, and when those guys walked in, and I told the the nurse that I, the rich nurse that I had, and she said, "This is my my resident the pastor," and I said, "This is the associate pastor." She said, "Uh uh-uh. uh." <laughs> I, I said, "Yes, indeed." And she looked at me. She said, "You're joking." I said, "No, I'm not." And things like that. So she, I guess she felt like, you know, "Cause down there, hey, you no, know, there's no such thing as a, an all-black church, an all-Indian church. I mean, you know, God meant for us all to be together, but they're stuck in their ways. And uh, and uh, when we went out down there, hey, we got looks down there also. I mean, you know, they, there's some, some mean people down there, so you didn't get out past dark. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I got one more thing. Is Hey, guys, uh, I've always been this way with building bridges instead of burning them. I've never burned a bridge, never have. And uh, and I'd rather build them to, that way we all can make it to the other side. Right? And you can tweet that. You can tweet Mac. He's he he he's good at dropping those one-liners a lot. Um, Jeremiah, you got anything else before we land the plane? 
You had some scriptures earlier, and I, I thought they were really good. Uh, it'd probably take 30 minutes to get through these. But uh, if I can, just briefly, yeah. I want to... Uh, I want us to understand what God's heart for the church is, right? When God made humanity, there was one man and one woman, right? So this whole thing about different races comes from a whole wrong theory of how humanity even began to exist, okay? One man and one woman. And we remained one nation, one group of people, all the way up until the Tower of Babel, right? At the Tower of the Babel, we were united to do evil, and God said, enough of that, I'm um, Mess this thing up. And that's where all the languages come from, right? And you watch the very next chapter. This, that's uh, Genesis chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 12. God calls Abraham and he says, I will bless you. And through you, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. The, he has to judge them for the rebellion. And in the very next breath, he's turning around and he's creating this method through which he can redeem what he has judged. And he sets about this project, and you can read it. I, we could trace it all the way through the Old Testament. It comes up in prophecy in Isaiah. Uh, there's a prophecy about God having a feast on his mountain where all men, all kinds of men, every nation is invited to come into this feast, right? Um, and there, there are lots of other things that, that show up in the Old Testament we could talk about. We could talk about Rahab and her being grafted in. We could talk about Ruth, a Moabitess, right? Her being grafted in and her, I think, great grandson, great-great-grandson David, right, ends up reigning a Moabite. He's not supposed to be anywhere near that stuff. Uh, anyway, and God, God brings him in because he doesn't look on the outside. God is not looking at ethnicity. He wasn't looking at people who were uh, biologically Jewish. He's looking for people of faith, right? And when you see Jesus show up on the scene, look how he treats people, right? He goes, in John chapter 4, sits down with the Samaritan. They hated the Samaritans. He sits down with not just a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman. Oh, my goodness, Jesus, violating all the cultural taboos at once just because he can. And, and just blows her socks off and just speaks life over her and into her, right? Um, and then you press on and you see the Greeks show up to talk to Jesus in John chapter 12. And uh, the moment they show up, like he's been saying, it's not, the it's not yet time. It's not yet time for the Son of Man. It's not yet time. And the moment the Greeks, the non-Jews show up and talk to Jesus, you know what happens? He says, now is the time. Now is the time because I have to be lifted up to draw all men to myself. So for them to be included, I've gotta, we've got to finish this now. Right, and he sets about that work of the cross, and we see some beautiful things come out of that. Here's one uh, verse. I just want to read it. This is Peter after God has to blow his mind three times with a vision to get him to wake up to the reality that whatever God has called clean is clean, no matter what you think about it, right? And when he goes to Cornelius' house, a Gentile, this is what he says. Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. No partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And one more passage I want to pull out. This is Revelation. This is a picture of the church. Oh, you got it right there? Okay, I'll grab it here. Um, one of the glimpses we get of the crowd of people in heaven, it specifically says this about them. He saw, I saw, this is John speaking, a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language 
standing in front of the throne before the lamb. And he'll continue to talk about how they're worshiping him because he saved them. This lamb who his blood was spilled, the lamb was slain so that men from every place could be saved. Women from every place could be saved. So we talk about wanting to have the culture of heaven in healing, the culture of heaven in prosperity. We need to get the culture of heaven in God's heart about people of different races, people that don't look like us, because that is the fabric and culture of heaven. And we need to wake up to that. And see, that's why Jeremiah got invited right there. <laughs> Man, so good. So good. And, and, uh, Part of the reason Jeremiah's at the table is to rein me and Mac in because we have, we are people of many words. And uh, so he's helping us with that. Yeah, how about that? Um, so we don't, <clears throat> tonight and, and over the next week or maybe two weeks, we definitely want to bring awareness that, that there's issues but man, if that's all we did is just made people aware, we've not fixed anything. We've just stirred up the pot again. And there's an, the media's doing more than they should on that. Um, we just ask you to join us because this is something that we have been we have been intentional about it, but we're gonna we're ramping it up. We're gonna do even more about being intentional. Uh, over the last couple of years, um, I was invited out to a, a church in a very small community, a black community, black church. And I went out there. Uh, I was invited by one person. I was telling this story to Mac. And, uh, you know, God sets us up, he always does, to to help us, to grow us. And so I went out there and... Uh, I'm sitting there, and the only person only person I knew was the person that invited me, and they were sitting on stage. And every time that door opened, man, I was turning around looking, waiting for somebody to come in that I recognized, you know. And so I'm sitting over here on a pew by myself, and every time that door would open, I'd turn around and look, only white guy, only white person there. And uh, I became self-aware in that moment. I became self-aware, and I started feeling those feelings of awkwardness that, man, I don't feel like I fit in. I feel kind of alone, and I feel kind of isolated here for some reason. And, and nothing against anybody that was there, but nobody came over and sat down by me. I was there by myself, and I felt it. I mean, I felt that aloneness, and man, I've got this mental tether to this guy that I knew, and I'm just probably just staring a hole in him, you know, because I've just felt uncomfortable. And they didn't know. They didn't know what, what was going on. But a couple, fast forward a couple of years, I remember there was a black gentleman that came in. It was, maybe he had been here before, but it hadn't been here very long. And I knew him. I knew the guy, and I, went, I had went and talked to him. So I'm back there in the booth, and and uh, it was during the preaching, and preaching's going on, and I'm just scanning over the the people and stuff, and I look over, and here's here's my friend sitting here, nobody within two rows of him, 
and I remembered my experience, and I thought, what's he feeling right now? What's, what's he experiencing internally right now? Is he distracted? Can he hear this great message that's, that's going? And so I, I tell you that to, not to make us feel bad. I tell you that to challenge us because I didn't go over there and sit by him either. So that, that's on me. This is what we're asking you to do. Join us in our, in our challenging each other. Join us in this. This week, when you go to Walmart, when you go to the grocery store, uh, you're, all the things that we do throughout the week, engage somebody that doesn't look like you. Show kindness to them. I dare you. I double dog dare you to go and do something like that. And you watch what happens on the inside of you. Because this is, this is pastor's heart. This is our heart. It's Pastor Dwayne's heart. We want Victory Life Church to look like our community. We want everybody that's a part of our community, every part of every culture here, we want to see them in here. Not because we're against any other church, but my life has been changed. My family's life has been changed. Not because this is a perfect church, but it's a good church. And part of that's you. You're, you're the church. Let's be intentional about this. It's not going to accidentally get fixed. It's going to be because we're doing stuff on purpose. That's what we ask you to do this week. I ask you to invite some people. Invite somebody that doesn't look like you to come here next Wednesday. And tell them what we're going to be doing. We're Hopefully we'll get a video out there on social media. I posted something today. Um, out there but we're going to try to get some stuff out there when you see that stuff share it share it on facebook we want to fill this house up this is awesome on a wednesday night this is not what we've been getting typically the last few wednesday nights this is awesome so we want to provoke some other people to get here and let's let's talk about this let's not be intimidated anymore and let's be part of the answer in our community it's worth it it's worth it. The kingdom of God, we want, we want everybody here to, to be touched by the kingdom of God. And it's going to be done by our, our intention, our purposeful act, right? So let's, let's just pray. Jeremiah, would you pray for us, please? Father, thank you for sending us your son, Jesus, and that. In him, you've torn down the dividing wall of hostility that separated different people. Lord, you wrecked it. That your Holy Spirit, you sent him and he came and he filled us with his good gifts, Lord. And the very first thing that he does, pouring out the gift of speaking in tongues to overcome the very barrier of culture. To overcome the barrier of language so that your truth, your heart for people can be spoken to every nation. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just I desire to see our church grow in this, Lord. We don't ever want to become complacent or comfortable. Help us to see that there is a war that we have to fight here. Lord, that there's something we have to invest intentionally to overcome what's easy. Lord, and that it's worth fighting for because it's your heart. It's your kingdom. You did not design for us to be divided 
along color lines, along ethnic lines, along language lines, Lord. That's not your heart. Along financial lines, that's not your heart. Father, wake me up in the things that I need to do. The space I need to make in my life, the people I need to invite into my home to, to eat. But wake us up so we can see this and begin to work on it and address it, Lord. Help us to go out of our way to make people that might feel out of place feel welcome. But Lord, thank you that this is your heart and you are more than happy to help us by your Holy Spirit. You're more than happy to pour out your goodness and your heart for every nation through us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you care about the Marshallese in our community. Lord, thank you that you care for them and that Jesus is for them. Thank you that you care about the uh, Spanish-speaking people in our communities because Jesus is for them too. Thank you that you care about um, all of the people from European descent and all the people from African descent and all the people from the Choctaw and Creek and any other native nations that are here, that you care about every one of them and that heaven is incomplete without all of us. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm so excited to see what you will do with the people sold out to your heart, Father. Thank you for the healing that you bring in every area of our lives, in our cities, in our cultures. In Jesus' name.